Welcome to Christ the King, especially if you are our guest this morning. My name is Peter Schwanda. I'm one of the pastoral associates here. And if you'll permit me, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to do this, but I have a show and tell this morning. Some of you might know what this is. Some of you might not. This is a Polaroid camera. And uh, in my other job, I work for a ministry called Focus, which works with independent school students, and we do summer programs on Martha's Vineyard. And one of my favorite games to play with teenagers is a game which is essentially a scavenger hunt. We go to a town, all of the adults are dressed up in costumes. Some of you uh, who have volunteered for Focus or been to Focus as students know what I'm talking about. And you hide, sometimes in plain sight, amidst all the tourists. Students come running around, they have to find you and take a picture of each of the adults who is dressed up in costume. You have to take a picture with you and your group. Now, when we play it this summer, we will use smartphones, and there will be a dozen or so blurry images on these smartphones. But we used to play this game with this guy. And so imagine groups of 10 teenagers, this strapped on their neck, bouncing, trying to take pictures of their group, and then run on to find the next person. You can imagine, especially if you're familiar with Polaroid cameras, that these were not portrait quality Megan Landmeyer shots. These were blurry, fuzzy portraits. But I think what it showed was that students were on the move and they were moving to find the next person. And I think similarly, in our passage this morning from Mark, we have three snapshots which show us some of the quality of Jesus's ministry, that Jesus is on the move, always moving onward and outward, expanding to reach more people with a bit of a show-and-tell ministry. Our reading in Isaiah asked the question, have you not heard? Have you not known? Have you not seen? Well, there are plenty in this world who are in need of seeing and knowing the touch of God. And so in that respect, I think Jesus's ministry is a bit like show-and-tell. And these snapshots that we have, while we live in a world that is inundated by videos and constant overexposure, to say the least, these little snapshots give us an image of the essence of Jesus's ministry. I think they show us that Jesus is on the move from the church or the synagogue to the home, that he's moving outside of the place that we gather together. He's moving from the home to the hurting world at the door, and he's moving from the Father, time with God, to people. Turn and look with me at our gospel reading in chapter 1 of Mark in your service leaflet. In verse 29, we see, and this is characteristic of the gospel writer, Mark, who always uses this transitional phrase, immediately. I sometimes think uh, he fits right in uh, with our modern culture. Immediately, Jesus went and did this, and immediately did that. Sound familiar? Immediately, Jesus left the synagogue, and he went to the environment of a home. Now, he wasn't leaving the synagogue because he preached a bad sermon and he wasn't very popular. In fact, in the preceding section, if you have a pew Bible in front of you, you can see that Jesus was preaching. It says that the crowds were amazed at his teaching. And for those who were here in last week's service, we explored how Jesus preaches not just with authority, he's not just in charge, but he shows compassion and charisma. People were, were gathering. But instead, Jesus, I think, is making a point in the way that he lives out his ministry that it's supposed to go beyond the religious place with the religious people. 
And I think for a lot of us, sometimes that's what we think of church as. It's the religious place with the religious people, but we don't necessarily take our faith beyond the four walls, or I'm not sure how many walls are in this building. There's a lot of angles. <laughs> beyond these walls to the world outside. I think we should come to church expecting to encounter Jesus, and certainly the people who were in the synagogue encountered Jesus. But we should also expect to then bring the love of Christ beyond this place. Church isn't meant to be a self-referential bubble with religious language and a Christian book and a bunch of people calling themselves Christians and then end when we walk out the door. So let's take a look at what happens when they go home. Now, I know that home for those of us who are here might mean a lot of different things. You may live alone or with a roommate. You may be empty nesters with, with kids who come home occasionally. Uh, for some of you, uh, home might mean six kids and an overflowing house in need of renovation. For some of you. <laughs> the reality is home means different things, but for each of us, home can be a place of ministry. Ministry to people. Because ministry to people, this going outward to people, is Jesus's priority. And therefore, as his followers, the one who follow his example, it should be our priority as well. Ask yourself these questions. Does your home or the homes that you're in, are those places of compassion? Are they places of hospitality? I know often when I come home from work, I'm guilty of coming through the door and I am so distracted with the work that I've been doing that day, or I am still reading emails on this darn device, or some of you are wondering, why is the back of that yellow? That's my Greek flashcards. Um, I'm so preoccupied with the work that is at hand that it's almost as if Mimi isn't there because I'm, I'm distracted. Certainly, I'm not entering in with an attitude of how can I love and serve those in my home. Quite, quite the opposite. This week when I came home overwhelmed, uh, Mimi quickly could tell the uh, temperature of my stress level and said, all right, take a deep breath. You need a back rub, and I'll cook you dinner. I, wouldn't it be great if that was the attitude that we all came into our homes having? How can I show compassion to the people that I'm with? What if it was, it was one of hospitality? Um, I know that homes look differently and, and that the physical parameters of what our homes look like uh, are different, but consider what happens in this passage. It says that they went to the home of Simon and Andrew, and it says Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about there. Now, that might, that might, seem, that might ring some bells for you all in flu season. Sometimes, you know, your home might be a place of, of sickness. Perhaps you have in-laws living with you. Um, my mother-in-law often listens to my sermon, so I will make no sidebar comments. Um, but I think it's important that hospitality is a part of our ministry in the home. Consider what that environment might have looked like. We don't, we don't know from Mark's account what they ate, what they enjoyed, but they had some manner of fellowship. I'm sure that there was a meal prepared. They'd just come from the synagogue where they'd likely been most of the morning. I imagine that they, they shared a time of celebration, of a victory, of life over death, of this woman being ill and now being revived. We're in a season of life where we have lots of friends who have had children in the past year, and one of my favorite things 
is these meal train or bring them a meal type of setups. Maybe you've gotten these emails or, or had a chance to do this where you're able to sign up and bring a meal to somebody who, whether they have a sick relative or something going on in their family or the birth of a young child, you're able to bring a meal to them. And I love this because, well, one, we live on a boarding school campus and we are blessed with a dining hall that serves us many of our meals, gives us a chance to cook. But I also love it because when you show up at someone's home with a newborn, it's not always a pretty put-together house, right? It, there's a little bit of chaos, a little bit of mess, as it should be. And it's a sign that, hey, the way that you're helping, it's probably actually helpful because things are a little messy and a little chaotic right now. And I think that that attitude of where can we show hospitality in our own home, but also where can we show people hospitality and compassion outside of our home is important. Because home isn't just a place meant to be where our needs are met. It's not just the place where we are to relax in the man cave or to just veg out on the couch or to tune out from the world around us. It's, it's meant to be a place that is comfortable where we rest. You know, our, our Isaiah reading says that when we're faint, we are to be refreshed in the Lord. But we're not just supposed to stay comfortable in our houses, isolated from the world around us, segregated from those who are different from us, from those who are hurting. Imagine if in our passage, verse 32, where it says, it says that sun, at that that evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. What if the passage ended there? What if it read, Jesus heard them knocking at the door, and he turned on the TV? What, what if he didn't get up? What if he didn't go to the door? I think we have a similar opportunity to go to the proverbial door in our life. We have an opportunity to go from the places of comfort of our homes to the hurting world, which is outside our door. And it shouldn't take much looking around to realize that. You might be wondering, well, why did they wait to come at sundown? They had presumably been at the synagogue or been gathered out there, and they waited to come to his home until sundown. Well, that's because this was the Sabbath, the Christian day of rest. And they saw Jesus as a religious person who was in a religious place on a religious day, and on that day, he wasn't supposed to heal people. He wasn't supposed to work. And so they presumed that Jesus was going to prioritize rules over people. And he does quite the opposite. He blows, he blows their boxes of what it meant to be religious and shows that he is prioritizing people and their needs over these rules. We see in these miracles where Jesus is healing, we see a type of lived-out parable where Jesus is demonstrating to the watching world, he's showing the watching world his ability to transform. But he's also showing to those individuals the compassionate love of God. It's this show-and-tell ministry where Jesus is on the move, moving to people and inviting them to relationship with God. I think we have similar opportunities in the neighborhoods that we live in. This week I got an email from uh, my friend Rob Cole, who some of you know in our, our parish and is uh, a real estate agent, and the title of this email, uh, it read, What Defines Your Perfect Neighborhood? And it had some fun little graphs that charted some of the things that uh, Americans are looking for when they're buying a home, and one of these things, it said that we prioritize walkable communities. 
We like to be close and able to easily get to amenities, but I think it's also because we have a desire to be within easy reach of people. And that's a good thing because in Jesus' ministry, in the ministry that we are to follow, we're to be with people. We should actually like people. We should walk around our neighborhoods and want to get to know and be in contact with those around us. This gives us opportunity when we're interacting with those around us to invite those who are hurting in to our homes and to go out to those who are hurting. Now, that might look differently for you depending on where you live and what your home looks like. For us living on a boarding school campus, uh, our neighbors include 450 teenagers. And for some of you, that sounds great. And for some of you, that sounds different. Um, One of the things that we love is we have opportunity to invite many of those students into our home for uh, a, a weekly Christian fellowship group, a Bible study. Sometimes we're able to host the youth group from this church. And what I love about it is we have a small apartment on a boarding school campus. And my favorite moment is when there are so many kids crammed in our living room that we have to move the furniture. And this happens because, this happened last week at youth group. So many of the, the kids in our youth group invited friends to youth group who hadn't been before. We had so many people that they're literally kind of piled, some of you guys were piled on top of each other. I know you were. And I had to have some of the guys help, like, pick up the couch, move it to the back wall so that we could all kind of fit. It's this great moment of, where's there a place in your home where you might be able to invite someone in? For us, it's the immediate needs of teenagers who could use a place to have fun and laugh and, and be loved on. For you, it might be different. Some of you, I know, uh, have had opportunities within our world to come alongside those who, uh, in some way, shape, or form, are, are sojourners. They're those who have fled the, the violence of this age in some way. Some of you have had opportunity uh, to, to host our, our dear friend Michelle, who's part of our, our parish family. Some of you have had other ways where you've been able to uh, interact with and reach out to those who are around us who have real needs whether it's through the Carpenter Shelter or Casa Chiralagua, our different ministry outreaches. The ministry of Jesus is meant to be outward-seeking. It's meant to be other-seeking. It's meant to be celebratory. There's a Catholic leader a few years ago who was asked about the need for Christians to take part in this. He calls it the, the sweet and joyful uh, work of evangelization kind of a fancy Christian word for going to people and showing and telling them about Jesus. And he said this, he said, the church is called to come out of herself and to go to the peripheries, not only geographically, but also the existential peripheries, sin, pain, injustice, ignorance, indifference, and all misery. I think that's a good word for us. Where are the places the peripheries of our lives, beyond maybe the circles of our comfort zone, beyond our home to the hurting world. Where might we move in that direction? I always got confused in high school between centrifugal and centripetal. Um, You would think with a wife who teaches calculus that I would have learned uh, what those physics words mean. I had to look it up again this week. Centrifugal is the force that draws us outward, away from center. It it resists the tendency uh, to kind of be in. Actually, it's the tendency for things to go out. And some of us, we need that in our faith. 
we need to be drawn out. Now, for some of you, you might be resonating more with the question that is, uh, or, or the words of Isaiah and our reading where he says, even youth shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted. Well, if the young men are exhausted, how about the rest of us? You might be a little tired when you read Mark's account and it says, immediately he did this and immediately this and immediately, by the third or fourth, immediately, you're tired just listening to it. That's our reality. For some of us, we feel like all we're doing is going out. And what we need is the centripetal force of God. We need to be drawn in to time with God. We need to be refreshed as our Isaiah reading reminds us. We need to be drawn to God so that, as Jesus does, we can go from the Father out to people. Not so we can be reclusive Christians, but we can be those who, refreshed by God, are filled up and sent out to love the world around us. If Jesus, who is God in the flesh, needed to spend time with God and saw the benefit of that, don't you think we also need to spend time with God? Consider the way that that might reorient us to God's priorities if you had a time like that each day. Now, your mornings might look similar to mine in some respect that you probably wake up, and as soon as you wake up, you feel like the, the pressures of the daily grind are, are doing just that. They're pressing in. Perhaps uh, your phone feels like it's already calling for your attention. Maybe it's your kids calling for your attention. You might feel just as Jesus did when the disciples came to him. He's off early in the morning, and the disciples come to him, and they say, I know it's early. They said, everyone is looking for you. Maybe you feel like that when you wake up, maybe it's once you get to work and you realize the to-do list and all the people that are trying to get your attention. I think we realize that. And trust me, Jesus had a, a, a to-do list that puts any of ours to shame. He had infinite love to spend with infinite people. And yet, he spends time with God. He prioritized that. Martin Luther uh, is said to have spent three or four hours a day in prayer. And while I have no way of verifying that, that mostly comes from his personal journals, it is said that the busier that his day was, the more time that he would spend in prayer, because he said that the busier he was, the more he couldn't afford to not be oriented to God's priorities. That's humbling for me. But to me, it also reminds me uh, a little bit of the pregame pep talk that so many of my coaches of the past have given me. You know, just as a team or a company or an organization has some priority that they are all oriented towards, usually it's a, a mission statement or a goal, Jesus similarly gives us the character of his mission, that Jesus is on the move. He's going outward to people. And for us, as Christians who follow him, just as you would as a member of the team, Jesus' mission is ours. He invites us to it. He actually says, if we look back at our reading in, in verse, uh, verse 38, it says, and he said to them, let us go, not let me go so that I can preach and you guys can trail along behind. He says, let us go. It's corporate. There's a reason that at the end of our service, the proclamation that one of the deacons will say says, let us go. Send us out. 
This is, this is us. This isn't just me up here. This isn't you individually. This is us together. Now, if you'll permit me on Super Bowl Sunday, one football-related story, I'm well aware that our Isaiah reading ends with a reference to the Eagles. Um, it is not, I, I just realized that now, and I'm, some of you know me well enough to know that that might evoke certain emotions for me, but my, my illustration is we have right down the road uh, T.C. Williams, and one of my favorite, uh, favorite movies of all time is Remember the Titans, and if you know that movie, you know that it's a story of a team in the midst of a segregated situation that is reoriented by the purposes of their coach, by the priorities of their coach. And the priorities of that coach impact not just that team, but they actually impact the watching world. And people start to wonder what this coach and what this team is doing. They start to wonder, how are things looking so differently on that team, and what, what impact is that going to have? They have this great scene where, before one of their games, they have orchestrated a little bit of a, uh, a song and dance as they come into the stadium, uh, and if you'll, you'll humor me, they come in and they echo. And so if you know this, feel free to echo after me. They say, everywhere we go, people want to know. So we tell them who we are. We are the Titans, the mighty, mighty Titans. And I know why I don't lead worship, but the point is, what if everywhere we went, people wanted to know who we were because we were loving people differently? because we were moving to the peripheries. We were moving out to people and loving them in such a way that people said, who are those Christians? What? There's something to what they're doing. There's something to their faith. See, Jesus is not just on the move as a lone ranger. Jesus is on the move, and he is inviting us to go with him. Let us go. It's an exciting call. I have a friend who, I don't know how he developed this, but Anytime somebody comes up with some exciting idea, he just yells, let's go! It doesn't, it doesn't even have to do with going somewhere. That's just what he says in excitement, let's go! He's so excited about doing something together. That should be our excitement. Let's go! Let's, let's go beyond these seven walls. Let's share the love of Christ. Um, it's a show-and-tell ministry. It's showing people the love of God, and it's telling them about the reason for our faith. Consider that Jesus' ministry was show-and-tell. He says that the reason he wants to go to the next town is that I might preach there also, that I might tell people of the love that God has for them. And he showed them the depth of that love by dying on a cross for their sin. It was show-and-tell. Now, I have one memory of show-and-tell from my childhood. Uh, it happens that my parents are here this week, so they can verify the truth of this. This was uh, in kindergarten, so I was, uh, I guess I was five or six, and do you remember, they, I guess they still make them, those tubs of butter or margarine, I don't, there's that constant butter-margarine debate. Anyways, we had tubs of butter in our house in this season, and 
big old tub of butter, and there's that little kind of swirl at the top where it's just been, you know, it's been put in there. Well, I guess to my five or six-year-old mind, that tub of butter with the little swirl looked just like baby Jesus in the manger. <laughs> you, you can picture it, right? Look just like it. And so, perhaps against my mom's better judgment, this kindergartner was allowed to bring a tub of butter in his backpack to school. And you can imagine the state of my backpack when I got to show and tell time. It was a hot, greasy mess, which I could conveniently blame on my younger brother. I have no idea how that got there. Uh, the point is, that probably feels sometimes like our efforts to show and tell people about Jesus. We feel like, I got this great picture of who Jesus is. I'll just bring it to people. And then we realize, oh my gosh, I'm a, I'm a mess. I... <laughs> Consider the disciples. Jesus is saying, we, let's go so more people can hear. And they're saying, no, 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 we, we got to do this thing right here. This seems like a good spot. We're all set up at, at Simon and Andrew's house. They were a little bit of a mess. They, they usually didn't have it together, which is a helpful encouragement to us when we don't. It's a helpful encouragement that when we don't have on our Sunday best, Jesus still wants to use us. Jesus wants us to be involved in this show-and-tell ministry. Consider what it might look like for you to be involved, to take a simple step of compassion or hospitality, of moving out of your comfort zone, so that when we're sent out this morning, when we pray towards the end of the service and we pray these words, you'll consider that they might have some meaning for you this week. We'll pray, Father, send us out into the world to do the work you have given us to do, to love and serve you as faithful witnesses of Christ our Lord. Send us out to love and serve the world. Amen.